Hello, this is Dr. Mansur Mohammed, and today we'll be mapping methylation on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Mansoor Mohammed. Dr. Mansoor is the president and CSO of The DNA Company, a leading innovative provider of comprehensive functional genomics testing and consulting, and an industry-first, individually customized supplements. Under Dr. Mansoor's leadership, the DNA company has pioneered the term fluency in the language of DNA and is revolutionizing the use of genomic testing toward optimized health. He is widely regarded as a pioneer in medical genomics and has been the recipient of multiple academic and industry awards. He's the holder of several patents in the general fields of molecular diagnostics and genomics research, and is one of the most sought after national and international conference speakers in the genre of personalized medicine. And this is one of our special three-part series with Dr. Mansoor. I just couldn't let him leave the mic. Today, we'll start our conversation about methylation, which will continue in the next episode, followed by a third episode, detailing the nutrient folate. Let's get started. Dr. Mansoor, I am so excited to have you join us on the 15-Minute Matrix. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Andrea. So you are a genius and you study so many pathways in the functional system. I'm wondering how you would rank methylation as a cellular pathway in relation to our clients and patients' overall health. You know, Andrea, I'm not pandering for today's conversation at all, because my answer to your question has, if had you asked me five years ago, it'd be slightly different. So I say, you know, if I had a magic wand and I can change a system, keeping in mind that methylation is not a single gene phenomena, but it's a cellular cascade. It is a multi-gene system. So keeping that in mind, I would say if I had a magic wand to change a system in my body that would relate or correlate to better health, it would have to be methylation. In other words, I would want to, because my methylation sucks, Andrea, from, <laughs> from a genetic perspective. And symptomologically, it's very obvious in me and my maternal lineage, the consequences thereof. So to simply say and to summarize, methylation, cellular methylation, and its multiferous impacts, if you were blessed with good methylation genes, you are blessed. It's mm, really interesting. And there's so much in what you just said that I want to start to break apart because I know methylation is a concept that is, it's kind of a buzz concept these days and you do such a good job of explaining it. So in terms of that cellular cascade, what's mm. happening? How do we think about it? And where is it impacting the body? Well, let's start from the last first. It is impacting just about every aspect of cellular function. Why? And that's not an audacious or overreaching statement, because the efficiency or the optimability of cellular methylation, so let's leave it for the time being. We're going to answer more detail, but let's leave it as a concept for the time being. So for our listening audience, 
Think of methylation as a biochemical cascade. In other words, it's a reaction. It's a multi-step reaction in the cell. Now, whatever that thing might be, which we'll explain shortly, cellular methylation is directly, the efficiency of it, the optimability of it, is directly related to several cellular functions. But here's the point, and that's why I can say that it's going to impact so many cellular processes. Cellular methylation is directly related to how our genes are expressed. It's directly related to the stability of our DNA. So literally, dysfunctional methylation, this thing that we've not yet explained what it is, but as a concept, dysfunctional methylation is directly related to the initiation and the progression of cancers, notably, for example, colorectal cancer, prostate cancer. So to summarize, cellular methylation, the cellular cascade, biochemical reaction, at its essence, it's a phase two detox pathway. It's one of the famous phase two detox pathways. Mm -hmm. It is all things anti-inflammatory. I personally like, and when I do my my reviews, and I've reviewed thousands of genomic profiles, that's probably one of the few things that differentiates me in the world. I tend to look at methylation and I call it your primary anti-inflammatory system and Mm. and the reason why I do that. But beyond, behind the scenes of all of these things that methylation does at the cellular level, also recognize that methylation is controlling or contributing to the expression of our genes, which means that it's therefore controlling or contributing to everything. And it's also contributing to the actual stability of DNA. And when cells become naughty and they start to go down a cancerous pathway, God forbid, one of the things that contributes to a cancer cell becoming more and more aggressive is the instability of the DNA within the cells and poor methylation is a precursor to unstable DNA. So essentially methylation is an epigenetic factor. Am I reading that right? As it is related to DNA expression, it contributes. It's at the corner, it's at the foundation of epigenetics. But as it relates to a biochemical pathway within the cell, it is primarily a phase two detox pathway, anti-inflammatory pathway. In other words, when many metabolites become methylated Mm -hmm. within cells, they become biotransformed usually into things that are less active, less toxic, being prepared for being removed from the body. I got it. Okay. I think I got it. Very complex in terms of the biochemistry. If we think about those antecedents, the ones that you mentioned suck in your genetic profile, are there particular genes that we're looking at beyond the typical ones that everybody thinks about in the MTHFR arena? Indeed. And so that's my one of my, if I must admit, it's one of my pet peeves that there are whole blogs and vlogs and every other ogs <laughs> as it relates to MTHFR. And certainly no two ways about it, MTHFR, methylene, tetrahydrofolate reductase is a fulcrum point within the methylation cycle, i.e. the fuller biochemical, this thing that it's a cascade. And when you understand the, the, the visualization of cascade, what that word connotates, methylation is a, in every way a cascade. Okay, right. so 
MTHFR is important, but it is neither the first gene and the enzyme that it encodes, nor is it the last gene and the enzyme that it encodes. So let's pause for a moment and take that little point that I just made. Here we're speaking of genes, obviously a gene, a, a segment of our DNA encoding something. So these are genes. And in terms of cellular methylation, what are we speaking of? We're speaking of genes that encode enzymes. So these enzymes that these genes in cellular methylation, these enzymes are going to be responsible for biotransforming one thing, a substrate, into another, mm -hmm. the metabolite of that substrate. So methylation may be summarized as this. It is a multi-enzymatic cascade in which certain substrates are biotransformed, changed in a controlled, in a beautifully orchestrated one-step, two-step, three-step, four-step, five-step process. Wow, it's complicated. So what would trigger the expression moving in the positive or the negative arena if we could simplify it to that level? So I think what would really help here, let's give a bit of a visualization to our audience. And I like to do this. And once you get it, once you get the visualization, you know, honestly, a good visualization, you don't even have to know the details for you to start seeing how things can either work well or go wrong on you. So mm -hmm. here's the visualization. Picture a factory conveyor belt. So there's this conveyor belt and it's moving along. The conveyor belt is moving along. And there's this thing, i.e. a substrate, i.e. a product that is at the start of the conveyor belt. And as this product, this thing moves along the conveyor belt, now the conveyor belt is moving at a certain speed, right? Control speed. And as this thing is moving along the conveyor belt, there are a number of robotic arms that interact with this thing changing the original substrate, the original product, as it's moving along the conveyor belt, there are four robotic arms working in sequence at a certain efficient rate, such that at the end of the conveyor belt, the original product has been biotransformed, as you might imagine, through four different stations. So we can picture that. We can picture this nicely moving conveyor belt. We can picture four robotic arms in a sequence, station one, station two, station three, station four, and the robotic arms are moving and biotransforming that original thing as it passes through each of the stations, and when everything is working efficiently. And what does it take to work efficiently here? Number one, we need to have the first product. We need to have the thing that is going to be transformed. Because of course, if that thing is missing, the conveyor belt is moving, the robotic arms are moving, but nothing's happening. So first we need to have this product that is placed on the conveyor belt at the start of the system. The next thing that has to work properly is the conveyor belt has to be moving mm -hmm. at the right speed because of course if we sped up the conveyor belt too quickly and of course the robotic arms are moving doing its thing in timed intervals you can imagine that it's you know it's it's not doing the job of biotransforming it's stamping on the empty conveyor belt it's whatever so the speed of the conveyor belt as it moves along is dramatically important not too fast not too slow and then of course each of the robotic arms must work efficiently must do its station's job 
at the right time mm -hmm. in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. Got it? Yep. All right. So that's your pictorial. Anything that changes A, whether the product is present on the conveyor belt to begin with, changes the speed of the conveyor belt, changes the efficiency of the robotic arms, will change in a negative manner, would affect the outcome of that product at the end of the conveyor belt. This system we've just described of a moving conveyor belt, a product that is being biotransformed through four stations and four robotic arms, wherein the robotic arms are the enzymes encoded by the genes mm -hmm. of the methylation cascade. This is methylation. Mm. Beautiful. I love the visual. So is that first step, that product, is that a nutrient? That is a nutrient. That is folate. That's the good stuff you get from your green leafy vegetables and, and other folate-containing foods. So that is your dietary folate that is going to enter the cell. And then I'm glad we're going to have another session to be able to talk about folate. But when we think about the function of this conveyor belt, its speed, its timing, its sequencing. Are there other lifestyle factors that are impacting that function? Yes. I think more than anything else, it's, this is impacting so much of cellular function that it ultimately wreaks its havoc in lifestyle as in bodily function, which then of course affects lifestyle choices. But because this system, without getting into what is the micronutrient per se, but as a system, when you begin to understand that methylation, the system, this conveyor belt with its moving arms, number one, hugely responsible for or contributing to detox reactions. Mm -hmm. So you could imagine lifestyle and environmental and nutritional choices that place extra burden on the cells yes. in terms of their need to be detoxified, whatever that substrate is, directly impinges upon the reaction in question. And this is an important consideration, Andrea. It is that the human body in its design is extremely efficient. Yes. In the 22,000 odd genes that make up our operating manual, several of them, there are many genes that are expressed ubiquitously, meaning they're always expressed, meaning these genes and the jobs that they do are needed for baseline cellular health and just being alive. Mm -hmm. Then many other genes and the systems that they contribute to, the functional biochemical systems that they contribute to, are only turned on as the body needs it. In other words, they are inducible genes. They are turned on from an energy conservation perspective. They're not needed 24-7, or at least they're not needed 24-7 unless the cell is being asked to do whatever job that gene does. Now, when you think of methylation as this all-important detox reaction, and that is what it is, it methylation, things that are methylated, as we said earlier, are typically rendered biotransformed in the manner that they are less reactive, less biologically potent, and more easily removed from the body, okay? So from that perspective, if our lifestyle choices, our environmental choices, our nutrition choices are placing more and more stress on the cells to be methylated, yes. you can 
interesting how this will impact the efficiency of the cell's methylation reaction. And everything else, like you said, it's going to impact the immune and inflammatory balance. It's going to impact oxidative stress. It's going to impact hormones and neurohormones. Everything's going to be impacted by that stress on the detoxification system. And here comes that important point, and I said it earlier. Why then, per your beautiful summary? You see, anything, anything that results in toxification of the cell. You know, not even so long ago, a lot of allopathic clinicians or research clinicians would scoff at these terms, detox, you know, because we've done a little bit of a disservice. We sometimes pander overly simplistic understandings of important biologic processes. There is such a thing as cellular detox. There is such a thing, absolutely, absolutely verifiable, certain substrates, toxins, that when they enter into the cell, they must be biotransformed, they must be rendered inert because they will wreak havoc in the cell. Now, what is this havoc? And here comes, this is the, this, Andrea, is the real pivot point. When certain substrates, whether they be substrates that were derived externally coming inwardly, meaning they've entered the body, or, or, substrates that are produced by your very cells mm -hmm. as byproducts of living, because at the end of the day, living means our cells are producing waste products, byproducts, okay? If these things are not biotransformed and detoxified efficiently, what happens? We have this phenomena, we can understand it, they bioaccumulate. In other right. words, they get to levels that are unhealthy. And what is that one underlining word? Inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's your key word. See, when A, certain substances are not cleared as efficiently and as quickly as you'd like, and therefore B, they bioaccumulate, and therefore C, these very substances, what do they do? They impinge on cellular function through what? through increasing the inflammatory cascade. Now we start calling in the cytokine system, the interferons are being expressed, the immune system is being expressed. And I wrote a paper on this recently, uh, Andrea, and you know how I described it? I described it that your cell is like a perfectly, perfectly designed metropolis city. And so think of a metropolis city with its power plant and its hospital system and its fire brigade system and its pulley system and its places of living and its streets. And into this metropolis, there are entry portals, meaning the highways entering and the highways leaving the metropolis. This is your cell. It's a theming metropolis. And what is inflammation? Inflammation is the zombie apocalypse to your metropolis where everything goes haywire. Even the people and the things that you could have depended on, the police you know, the, the police uh, patrols, the fire brigades, everyone has gone haywire. This is what you can picture. If you can picture, you know, not to be too trivial, if you can picture that scenario, what happens in a city when everyone's gone all zombie mode, that's what happens to a cell when it becomes inflammatory. And when does a cell become inflammatory? when there is the bioaccumulation of toxins and metabolites that should not be there, substrates that should not be there, and methylation is one of the key pathways of getting rid of those substrates in the first place.
The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production by Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes, including the follow-up to this episode at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. You also have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 